but March 4th uh, yes. is the uh, album release, vinyl release, and we're putting our new music video out. And uh, like I said, we're, we're playing with these bands that are awesome. This like kind of 70s glam rock style band and then cool. this like 50s rockabilly kind of like Dwayne Eddy style band. Cool. And we have a couple cool DJs that are going to be doing like glitter disco 70s stuff. Ooh. So really excited and it's free. So it's going to be a good one. Okay, good. We'll get this episode out out quickly. Okay, I admit it. I fucked up. I fucked up big time. I fucked up royally. I didn't put this podcast out on a good time. Uh, uh, episode, you know the episode. It's episode, whatever the number I put up there. It's that episode with Tokyo Lucky Hole. Welcome to the Dante Elefante podcast. I fucked up, guys. Uh, uh, I did this interview in in maybe late February. Uh, it's looking, you know, like we. I just, as 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 I was editing this thing, it re- I realized that they're promoting a show for March fourth, and you know things got very busy for me. We went on a tour. I was out on tour. I uh, did I did my own tour in March, which was really fun. Actually, thanks everyone who came out to those shows. I never really got to thank everyone. Uh, we played Mississippi Studios in Portland. Uh, we did two so far sounds in Seattle, which was a whole thing in itself. Um, the Shakedown in Bellingham, which is great. Uh, the Crocodile in Seattle, which was actually awesome. First, my first, you know, headlining show in Seattle that a hit it's hit or miss they say but it was a hit shout out to daryl uh shout out to everyone we met that on, on you know while we were in washington that shit was so fun uh spokane it it was it was what it was again thanks but it was better than the last time so something's happening in spokane but it's happening in slow increments and we're doing it all on tuesday nights but uh it's it's fun it's still a fun time every time uh i got to reconnect with a friend from high school uh, shout out to Sean Adame. Uh, I got to hang out with him. I didn't know he lived in Spokane. And then I reached out to him on Facebook. I have I, I, not just a high school friend, an elementary, junior high, and high school friend, which was, you know, I did not expect any of that, which was insane. And then uh, we did Tree Fort. Uh, Tree Fort was uh, once again amazing. We played at this place. Oh, man. We played at this uh, Masonic Temple. And the Masonic Temple had like this liquid light show. Shout out to uh, the Alchemist Liquid Light. And it was crazy. And I, if I have some footage on my phone, I'll, I'll toss it up in the for the video version of this podcast. Um, and then we hit the new territory. These are all new clubs, new cities, new everything. We did Ketchum, Idaho, uh, Missoula, Montana, Butte, Montana. All of them, knock them out of the park, bangers. Every show was a banger. I couldn't believe it. It was so fun. Roth couldn't finish the tour, so I was playing bass. So the the the, the Ruben playing bass, the Dante playing bass uh, portion of the tour started in Ketchum, Idaho. And it was insane. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if I could play bass and sing. Um, but we made it work, and it was really, really fun. Uh, but that, that was all new territory for me. And Butte, Missoula. Montana's a funny place, man. Hope Californians do not ruin Montana as well, but Montana's beautiful. It's so weird and it's so spooky and it's so so awesome. Uh, and then we hit Salt Lake, Sacramento. We opened up for the regrets, which is awesome. Those girls are really sweet and they're really nice to us. You know, sometimes you, you do an opening gig and the headliner doesn't talk to us. Headliner doesn't talk to the opening band, but they're really sweet and they're really, you know, like 
thankful that we were playing and we were thankful to be playing um i love sacramento and yeah it was really fun uh chico chico was really great love chico uh san francisco uh not so uh, <laughs> not so sweet san francisco but that's okay we're make we're gonna make it up for you guys real real soon santa Ana at la santa that was also a very fun venue very strange venue <laughs> that was a, that, it was the last show of the tour and it was very strange it was kind of like you know you know when you're at a show and someone's like dancing too much and this girl shaking her ass and like she was super drunk and nobody else was as drunk as she was so it was kind of just like a weird vibe <sighs> and boy i guess damn i haven't talked to you guys in a long time um february on no sorry on april 24th i played at the echo with uh austin weber that was a really fun show thanks to everyone who came out it was nice to talk to all of you uh, it was a solo set um unfortunately we could not make the full band happen but we do have I'll talk about the shows coming up, but we do have some uh, makeup makeup dates over there uh, coming up soon. Uh, yeah, so that was that was it. That was that tour. Um, it was very fun. We actually had amazing shows, and uh, I'm excited to go back out and do it all again. Uh, today's episode is with uh, Tokyo Lucky Hole. They are from Orange County uh, slash LA. They have a new album out now, Travolta Dragon Duel. First song is six minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> It's a big one, but you know what? I, I talked to him about it. I talk about long songs and epics, and and we talk about making this record, and we talked about Foxygen, and we talked about their influences, and and you know, yeah, it's a lot of me talking. I realize I talk too much in this one, but all the all the while you get to you'll you will get to know the inner workings of Tokyo Lucky Hole. Go catch a set. I don't know when their next show is, but they were playing at the Highland Park Bowl, which I love that place. Um, they were playing there in March. <laughs> I fucked up. I'm so sorry. But they're really great. And I'm, I'm glad I got to talk to them. And um, yeah. And so, yeah, ex- excellent. Um, we have some new dates. Dante Elefante is going on tour yet again. In fact, I am leaving next week. I leave uh, um, May 16th, Sacramento at Harlow's. We're playing with Chick Chick Chick. We're playing three dates with Chick Chick Chick. That is three exclamation marks. If you don't know Chick Chick Chick, they're very fun, very dancey. We are opening for them. Uh, Tuesday, May 17th in San Francisco at the Chapel with Chick Chick Chick. Come hang out. Uh, Thursday, May 19th, San Diego at Casbah. But we are playing San Francisco again. If you are one of those people who were upset that I did not play on that last run, hit me up. I'll see how many, I'll see how many guest list spots I can, I can hook people up with. Um, San Diego at the Casbah. Never played there before. That should be very fun. If you live in San Diego, come watch us with Chick Chick Chick. After that, we are on our own. Uh, Gallup, New Mexico. Uh, we're playing at Levitt uh, on Saturday, 521, May 21st. Let's see, 523, Albuquerque, New Mexico at Sister Bar. Uh, 524, Dallas, Texas, Sundown at Granada. 525, Cushing, Oklahoma, Duncan Theater. And then uh, Friday, the 27th, Austin, Texas, Spiderland Ballroom with Baby Jake. We're doing uh, two dates with Baby Jake. Uh, Houston, Texas at The Rustic. Come hang out in Houston, Texas. Fort Worth, Texas at Tulips. Again with Baby Jake. We're doing, uh, we're doing some fun dates, man. Chick to Chick and Baby, G- and Baby Jake. That's great. Maybe we'll do a podcast. Maybe I gotta bring my podcast shit. Talk to Baby Jake and Chick Chick Chick. I'm very excited. I'm 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 happy to be back on the road. Of course, uh, June 15th at Davenport, Iowa at Raccoon Motel. Uh, June 16th, St. Louis, Missouri, off of Broadway. 
uh, June 17th at Kansas City, Missouri at Boulevardia. If, uh, that's a festival over there in Kansas City, so come hang out. Uh, Saturday, 618 Stratford, Connecticut for Road Jam Music. That's another festival over there in Connecticut. July, yeah, July 29th, Los Angeles at the Levitt Pavilion in MacArthur Park. We are playing this massive festival and we were on the bill with Joe Baton, which is insane. I love Joe Baton. Uh, Peanut Butter Wolf is also DJing. I will toss the flyer up. It's a free show. We're not, that's, that's just a free show. All ages in the park of MacArthur Park in Los Angeles. If you live in Los Angeles, come hang out. This is the, uh, the summer of soul with a bunch of great uh, Latin artists. You got to come hang out. You got to come hang out. A free all ages show. What's the matter with you? What are you waiting for? Okay, yeah, so Tokyo Lucky Hole. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. We are back. I have some. I have two more episodes backlogged, and I will be on the road for two weeks. It's also my birthday on Thursday. I am turning 32. And I'm seeing Paul McCartney. I guess I didn't even talk about that. I am seeing Paul McCartney on Thursday. This will be my third. On um, Friday, this will be my third time seeing Paul McCartney. I'm very excited. I can't wait to, uh, I guess I'll recap that for next week in next week's intro um and yeah thanks so much for ever everyone listening and uh see you out there on the road okay tokyo lucky hole welcome to the podcast thanks for being on this is my first zoom podcast in a while i think uh 2022 i was just you know being being myself right i i was convinced that that everything's normal and we're going back to in-person podcasts and yeah. and it didn't work out that way and and I'm pretty bummed and uh but you know what it's what we have to do you know I think I can handle it going back to Zoom and you know shows came back and it's all just been like it's all last year was weird it was like a transitional getting used to like is this the real world still like where are you guys at with that have you been playing shows are you back to semi-normal life just trying to maneuver this shit or where are you where are you guys at yeah it's it's a little bit weird uh you know going from at work uh working a music place retail store and we had about two weeks where we took off the masks and our manager came around and was like you guys you know, vaccinated, you're cool to take the masks off and then just, you know, right away back on. And so it's been, it's been a pretty weird time, I guess. Yeah. A lot of back and forth and it's just not worth like planning all that much outside of just laying low, you know, but we, we've definitely been playing a good handful of shows and a lot more coming up to the next month or month or so. Oh, really? Where are these shows? Let's promote all the shows and things now at the top. Well, we're most excited about the vinyl release show and we're releasing the music video at the same time on March 4th. Uh, we're playing with a couple of really cool bands that we like, Twang Bang Bang and uh, Billy Tibbles, and that's going to be at the Highland Park Bowl. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what day is that? It's March 1st? Uh, March 4th oh, on 4th. a Friday. Man, I, I love the Highland Park Bowl. Like oh, that yeah. is such a cool place. I was living um, down the street from that place like for three years and I would just go and I saw Nathan Fielder there like that. Like it's just, oh, a, wow. it's just a cool place. And I love Nathan for you and I love Nathan Fielder. So every time I used to see him in Highland Park, I'd be like, Oh my God, it's him. I would freak yeah. out. On him. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. We're, I'm a huge fan of Nathan for you as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so is everyone, you guys are all based in LA? Well, right? we kind of are all from Orange County originally. Oh. But I'm living in LA, uh, in like East Hollywood area. Oh, cool. What about <laughs> just go around? Where's everyone else from? 
Yeah. Uh, well, so we're in my place right now in Santa Ana. So the rest yeah. of us are still in uh, OC. All the county. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Your Belinda area. Nice. Uh, what, what, what what venues are left in Orange County? Like, who made it? Oh well, our favorite venue that we play at is the Wayfair in Costa Mesa. Which I've, I've heard of that place. Yeah. yeah, the Detroit Bar was a pretty famous like punk bar back in the day. Right. So we like that spot. We played there like probably close to twenty times, I think. Right. And then you know the Observatory and the Constellation right, right. are pretty cool. Oh man, those 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 venues are crazy. Those those the Constellation Room, I uh played there a couple times and it was awesome haven't played the wayfair yet uh i'm playing la santa have you guys been there uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We yeah. there yeah you have played you played there before yeah that's right down the street from where we're at here yeah oh yeah. really it, is it what's the vibe like there because i'm playing there in march and i've never been so it's like the underground one right that's right yeah yeah, yeah it's a pretty mm-hmm. cool spot i definitely like the vibe of it it's uh like like ben said it's like an underground bar it's underneath what was that a restaurant or is it just the upper part of the bar whatever it was but it was really sweet this cool stage uh good sound i mean yeah we, we had a great time there oh cool so good luck well we'll definitely come out what time are you uh <laughs> what's the date you're playing ah uh, march some no it's like april 2nd or something yeah i have to get my dates correct yeah. Sweet. Cool. These, these things get booked and then i'm just like i don't know i'll have to remember these dates at some point yeah we'll track you now don't worry yeah absolutely now that we know each other and and all that yeah you were just That's, in Chicago. How? What was that like? Chicago was cool. We had a full tour booked uh, through like Texas and everywhere, but then we had to cancel it just because you know COVID got so crazy. But you know, I was like, we had a bunch of things planned in Chicago, like an audio tree and like DJing for House mm-hmm. of Vans, and I was like, can we make? this run work which is already freaky enough to hop on a plane and like head to chicago but like we we were able to make it work and you know people didn't want to come out for you know we still had a great show like a lot of people showed up but like you know definitely like i had a lot of people tell me like yeah i really wanted to go but like you oh. know and you get you i'm getting a lot of those like at every show i really wanted to go mm-hmm. but you know things are different it's like all right well i i don't have time for if things are different i just gotta like, <laughs> like fucking, let's hit the road yeah yeah, I have to like play. I have to like perform. Like I love do it. I love that side of it so much. Uh, but yeah, Chicago was great. It was awesome. It started snowing. I was like not prepared for the snow. You know, it's like I've only seen snow like I don't know. First time I saw snow was like 2018. So like I don't really understand it. <laughs> and I don't really have clothes for it. So that's like <laughs> nobody does. Right. <laughs> I um I was on stage with like sandals and shorts and whatever and some girl in the audience was from California and she walked up to me after the show and was like I could tell you're from California because nobody <laughs> dresses like that here and you look like Cal- you look like California right now I'm like oh yeah and I opened the door and it was fucking snowing it was awful there was a uh, video that I came across on Instagram uh, an advertisement from Seymour Duncan with you yeah and uh, I didn't realize that you worked for them what what is it that you do there i do the social media i'm part of the marketing team social media marketing and uh so i was on tour and they get you know they gave me product to use and like hey can you like make some video while you're out there on tour i was like okay so uh i made that video i thought it was pretty funny um it's, it's yeah, weird cool. you know because seymour's C- audience is like really heavy and metal oh, yeah. and like I don't think a lot of them understood me <laughs> or what, you know, this like world of, of music that isn't like heavy and like, you know, I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't. I don't want to talk shit on the metal community, but like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> they're not the nicest. Let's just say that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you work at a music store. What music store do you work at? Uh, I work at Guitar Center. Oh, nice. Yeah, I went. I went. I went to several different music shops on my last tour, and I asked them the same thing. Like, hey, where do you guys keep your pickups? And it's just like nobody has pickups, and no <laughs> one dis- and no one displays pickups, and it's just like. Ah, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Um, okay, so I, I did some I did some diving on you guys, and and you know a lot of the videos are are you know let's say it they're a little old. They're from two thousand nineteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, what have you guys been doing since two thousand nineteen to now? Go ahead, bud. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what have we been doing? <laughs> well, we we started really collaborating uh, more thoroughly and especially throughout the pandemic and uh we got a pretty tight batch of new songs that we are pretty proud of and we recorded them with a dude in uh, long beach at a studio called jazz cats oh i've heard of that place yeah we got those recordings done and then we did film another music video uh my brother shot it and directed it and we're going to be you know releasing that one pretty soon but uh yeah, I'm really, really stoked with, with the songs. We just put them out and uh, we're going to have them on vinyl for the first time. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, the nice thing about the last couple of years is like Clay said, we were really able to kind of just refocus on like writing new material together, you know? Um, and I think like like you said, you know, we're, we're really proud and happy with the way everything came out. So we're looking forward to kind of the final release of everything, which will be the music video and vinyl. Uh, and yeah, mm-hmm. overall it's a great time. You know, it's like you said, we haven't put out much new in the last couple of years, but we've been working hard and, uh, yeah, excited to get everything out there. That's awesome. And, and what was the work process like during the pandemic? Were you guys able to meet up at all? Or were you writing and are, you, are we sending stems? Like what was the, uh, what was the work dynamic between all of you? I think we were all kind of making our own demos and mm-hmm. like sending voice memos to each other and stuff like that. Uh, but we did end up getting together. I think we tried a practice with masks on it. Yeah. Yeah. So I did notice that there is a new record on Spotify and the first song is six minutes. Uh, why? How? <laughs> Let's get into a six minute. I've never written a six minute track, but like, I want to hear the thought process. Like, was it hard to like trim it or did you not want to trim it? Is there a story behind the lyrics? Like what is, what's up with the six minute song? We wanted to extend it. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think just none of us can really help ourselves. The, the right. way we tend to write is not really like the standard kind of pop song formula. Mm. You know, we, I think a lot of us put together like pieces of different things that we've written into like one cohesive, you know, piece that ends up as, you know, six and a half minute songs almost on accident. So right. all the different sections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually mm-hmm. seven and a half minutes the first time we were. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're huge fans of uh, episodic structures and songs like happiness is a warm gun stuff like that you know you right. know my name by the beatles right. is another long one that's just uh takes you on a ride or you know like pink floyd tracks where it's you know 20 minute side on side <laughs> <laughs> animals or whatever it is where it's just you know it, it is one piece of music together and you know connor here is uh pretty much primarily like a classical musician, you know, plays those, the piano. And, those get quite long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of built in from what our influences are. And um, yeah, we, I think we definitely strive to, you know, make it our own. And that, that's we the best way we know how, you know, it's just to <laughs> keep the structure that we like, which is no structure. 
which is no structure. Well, that's great. I think I think it's good. I think there's a place for everything. And I think, you know, aside from like the three minute pop song, I think it's good to like have those songs that are super long. And especially if you're trying to make a point or like yell leads to something. And it was really cool. I was just listening to today while I was working, like trying to like, you know, prepare for this interview. And, and I was like, damn, this is a long track. Like there was another song I listened to the other day and that, that that's the beauty of like the, the trick of a long song is to like not make it feel like it's long right that's like the real trick of like if this is six minutes but i didn't even notice it and the time yeah. just flew by and i was like ah oh, that's cool yeah you wanted to want to keep listening right yeah like, oh, this is still going <laughs> <laughs> i think you, i think you guys did that i think you guys did uh just that and that's really cool oh thank you thank you yeah, yeah it, it's kind of funny because in order to do it you kind of have to let go of some little pieces that you think are pretty cool ideas right. you could kind of flesh out into the whole song and you have to just kind of let it go as just a piece of of the whole of the song, you know, the single thing rather than fleshing that whole thing out. So yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of fun to figure out together, you know, which pieces we're going to kind of follow down and which ones are just going to be kind of like interludes in between, you know, transitions between the different parts. So, and I kind of, I, I trace a lot of that inspiration back to a show that I went to see at the Roxy, which was Foxygen. And uh, that just totally blew me away because I felt like I was seeing them perform like, 50 songs in a matter of an hour long set or something like that, you know, and I had just never seen anything like that. So was that the, was that the show Tobias Jesso Jr. opened? Yes. That's the one. I was at that show. Oh, wow. Cool, man. Yeah. The Star oh, that Power was, Show. The Star, po- Star Power Tour. Yeah. yeah. That was a crazy show. I miss, I miss that band. <laughs> they're yeah, fun. Yeah. They're wild. They were exciting, but you know, yeah. What, what can you do? But they were really good. The Roxy. Oh man, I haven't been to the Roxy. I haven't been to any of these places in a long time. Like the Roxy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I finally went back to. I finally played the Echo. Like when things finally opened up, I played the Echo. And like our sound guy like quit on us. Like he literally just like oh, no. left. So we didn't have a sound guy, and it was like getting close to doors, and we hadn't sound checked yet. Like I don't know. There's just there's there's like you know some growing pains like coming back into the uh, into this world of playing shows that like I didn't think was gonna happen but here we are you know we're making it work like i said earlier we're making it work well definitely and just like playing live is 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 different than you know for a long time we were just kind of focusing on the recording Mm. you know and you just play completely different and you practice completely different for a live show versus you know recording an album so it was definitely uh, like you said some growing pains the first couple shows back we knew we had to kind of get back on that ball switch gears a little bit so yeah it's been fun it's definitely a different mindset right so it's like when you're going in the studio everyone's just focusing on their parts and then when you're playing live you'll have to focus on how you play together as a group and it's like oh yeah yeah, i have to pay attention to that guy yeah (laughs) yeah i i I believe it (laughs) what was that I said that guy of all people. Of all people, yeah. So when did when did the project start? When did this band start? Mm, I think it must have been 2018 or 2017. Yeah. At the end of 2017, I think November or December, around there. So we've been we've been together for like four years or a little over four years. But it doesn't even feel like that because those years were yeah. kind of taken. <clears throat> So yeah, it's totally. like it's like really, you guys have been a band for like two years. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't feel like it's been two years since my gosh. Right, totally. And you started in 2017. You play some shows. You guys got some live videos on YouTube that I can see. Like, were you playing a lot in the OC, and then like trying to branch out to LA? Like, what was the inspiration to move to LA? Yeah, I think we kind of played everywhere that we wanted to 
play in Orange County. And uh, I felt like it was the right move just for us to be able to grow. And, you know, all the music, all the better, you know, the best bands and everything like that in this league are playing in L.A., Right. Yeah. I think every, I think every band feels that ceiling. I live in Santa Barbara and there's like, you only, you can only play here for so many times, like, and for so long until you're like, okay, we got to do the LA thing. Like, Mm -hmm. did did you guys all, I guess you moved to LA, but do any of you feel that pressure of moving to LA? Do you feel like you have to move to LA or are you just willing to make that drive? I feel like we're close enough. Yeah. The drive's not so bad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If anyone's LA, you know, (laughs) driving there consistently, uh, convinces me to not move there <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah Santa Barbara's like an hour and a half and I'm always just like dude I'll just make the drive I lived in LA it was a it was a massive headache and uh yeah. I'll just I'll just drive an hour and a half it's fine yeah. <laughs> like, by driving out there Ben means watching me drive out there yeah <laughs> <laughs> everyone has a role I've learned that too everyone has a role in the band what is Ben? The, what is your role? If you're not driving, what's your role? Are you at least curating the tunes? Like, what's your role? Uh, I I am the writer. I also carry things. Okay. I I carry a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. What he do you play? Hey, hey. <laughs> he, he one time he did drive us. He yeah, I was like two times ago, man. Drove out of his I've driven a couple times. D- yeah. Driven a couple times. Help. What What time. does everyone play? Just so we can get some context of who plays what. Uh, so I I play bass. Okay. Uh, Drum guy, off, off we go. Oh, he, yeah. you have to carry stuff. That's right, except for his his stuff. <laughs> you have to carry so much stuff, so you can't claim I yeah. carry stuff because hey, you have the hey. most stuff to carry. carry. It's all his stuff, stuff man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not my fault. Drums are the way they are. <laughs> I know, I know. I didn't, I didn't make them that way. I know, it's annoying. I when wish he plays we had... a ten-piece kit. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. I'm gonna get Man, into to buy a ten p- the, yeah. uh, three kick drums. Oh yeah, wow. <laughs> that's crazy. Twenty-eight big, inches on each one. The big Neil Per energy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I play the keys. Okay, that's yeah. easy. He doesn't carry anything. Me? I care. I do. <laughs> no, I think that's a common thing with keyboard players. They don't like to carry shit. Just kind of hang around and don't. Yes, just like yeah. carry the keyboard stand and then like. That's it. <laughs> he kind of gets in and like looks around like he's trying to figure out what he's supposed to be doing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I should be doing something. All right, I'll, be, I'll get the drink tickets. How about that? Yeah. That would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> and I sing and play guitar. And then also for the new record, uh, these guys, Ben and Connor, whipped out their middle school instruments and in order to put some uh, violin and trumpet on our tracks. Oh, yes, good. I'm, gl- I'm glad you said violin and trumpet because I was like, middle school instruments. Let's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where is this going? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. You know, I think it's, uh, I think making records is fun. You know, I think it's also very stressful and I can't imagine doing it. I, I was lucky enough to have a record in the can before everything went to shit. So all mm. I had to do was just mix it and master it, and which was perfect because all I had was time in 2020 to like listen to mixes and masters. And, and like, I don't know, man, trying to organize shows and everything right now it's just been such a headache that like i i do applaud mm. you and your band for like making it work to like get the songs to jam it's it's hard enough to get people to jam right now like everyone acts like they're so busy i'm busy but lots of people act like they're busy and you're not people aren't busy i don't know i was listening to uh the new record that you put out and i was hearing some really nice strings and and horns going on 
in particular, Find Somebody to Love. Yeah. It's a really cool track. Did you hire people to play those or did you know people or? The horns are all people I knew. The strings was someone my friend knew. And mm-hmm. uh, that was really tough because I didn't really know. I, don't, I still don't know how to like notate anything. So I was just kind of singing it to them. And yeah. uh, mm. most violin players don't like that. They like the, <laughs> they like to see the the notes, and uh, I couldn't do that. So I was just like, la, 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 you know, <laughs> it's like that stuff just like doesn't <laughs> yeah. fucking work. And uh, yeah, I don't know. So By it took way, a little while, but it worked. Uh, Jeff Lynn from ELO also never knew how to write. There you go. Out for yeah, his and string arrangements and everything. <laughs> that's my Jeff Lynn is my inspiration. Like I've I've produced two bands in the last year, and every time I'm just like, should we just like pull out acoustic guitars? Like, mm-hmm. and they're just like, no. I was like, yes, twelve strings, Nashville tuning. Let's do it. Like a thick <laughs> bed, a thick bed of uh, Jeff Lynn style ELO guitar. Yeah, I feel like totally, every track yeah. needs that. Yeah, vinyl. So, are you guys putting the record out yourselves? Yeah, yeah. Everything is like independent right now. Uh, we have had only CDs made previously. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. And we didn't even make CDs this time, just vinyl, but we went through the same company and it went pretty smoothly and we just got them like two weeks ago. So which, which company? Uh, it's called Unified Manufacturing. Oh, I think I've heard of them. Uh, yeah, we understand it's, it's very difficult to get vinyl pressed right now. It's very it's hard, hard to get to vinyl do it. pressed. So, and it's funny because when we, we were first looking at doing it. It was like an eight week lead time. We're like, Oh, that sounds fine. We'll just hold off and wait till we're ready. No big deal. Yeah. And then by the time we put everything together and had it ready to go, then it was 18 weeks. Oh, and then we were feeling like, Oh my gosh, like, what oh did we God. do? Yeah. Uh, but that was kind of like the right at the tail end of even being able to put the orders in from, from what we're hearing. So I, you know, we kind of lucked out with the timing of everything. Mm. It's towards the end of the pandemic. Yeah. Or- Towards the end of the shutdown, lockdown. Toward, towards the end we of Adele's won. Adele's album cycle. Do you think it's right to blame Adele for for fucking up the record press industry with her records? Do you think that's right to blame it all on her? <laughs> I usually blame her for most things yeah. <laughs> that go wrong in my life. Right, right. right. <laughs> yes, no, no. I th- I don't know. I've been thinking about this one a lot. Like, I guess I guess if she really made that many records. Which is crazy because I just saw another. This is where my mind goes. I'm sorry, I'll take us here, but this is where my mind goes. Is that like this is her worst selling album ever, but it's still the number one selling album of the year. And uh, I just think about all that vinyl wasted. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think about sense. all that stuff wasted. And and, oh. and the the resurgence of CDs. I just saw an article about that today. That there is a resurgence for CDs and. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. How do you guys feel about the resurgence of CDs? I think that's also probably Adele. Uh, probably yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Well, I know a few of us, uh, myself included, do collect vinyls, mostly mostly right. vintage ones. Um, so we're we're all about those uh, CDs. I I'm, I'm not sure. I, I don't think many of us. I mean, I've got like a small CD collection from you know crap I was buying growing up, but. Right. Uh, don't definitely don't keep up on that and continue buying buying them. So I, I'm not sure. I'm kind of interested to see where that goes. But I think that that's the new vintage. The I think CD, that is the new. Right? Vi- I think a lot of Gen Z Gen Z really missed out on CDs, yeah. you know, and, and now they're longing for it. Like kind of how we did, how millennials did with cassettes. Like we missed out on cassettes, so we felt like we needed to like relive that. Um, but mm. I don't know, but cassettes are cheap, so that makes sense. Like, yeah, CDs I, I are kind of expensive. My, uh, 
my folks had some cool old cassettes in particular my uh there was this old bob dylan one i was, I was very excited about and they're all just completely trashed because they get warped so easily yeah so whereas like the, the vinyl like stand up pretty good if people weren't using them as like coasters or whatever yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah because i did not get into man yeah i think uh yeah, I think it's smart though. I think it, it's smart to make CDs and and all those other things because it is like you guys said, eighteen month lead time to get vinyl is like a lot. Mm-hmm. And if you can get the CDs going, at least you can kind of promote the music some way. And I don't know, and I don't feel bad giving away a CD. Like, hey, you want a CD? Here, have a CD. Like, it, but for some reason, I can't give away a record because I know how much it costs to yeah. just to get them made. Like, oh, I just I can't, I can't do it. We we can't and won't. I will. So, I refuse. <laughs> I refuse to give away free shit. I'll keep them all in the box. My God, I, feel, I, feel <laughs> I just I one for free. I, I, I had a cousin DM me on Instagram uh, last week and wanted to buy a record, and I was like, "Yeah, sure." You know, twenty five. She was like, "What?" I was like, "You know, twenty five dollars, like what it costs." And uh, yeah. shipping, so I gotta ship it to you. So uh, I think it was a little bit of like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll give you money. It's like, we doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> uh, I, I put up on Instagram at one point from our old T-shirts that we had. I, I was like, we got a limited, you know, remainder of these, and if somebody wants them, we'll like come to your doorstep. We'll deliver right. them to you. And then I think I got a bunch of people that were like, yeah, yeah I'm down, but they just didn't realize that I was like. I was going to charge them for it. They thought that it was going to be for free. <laughs> like, well, I'm going to be like driving over to you, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I am Amazon. You have to pay me. Mm-hmm. Throw your arms up. We'll throw it over here for you. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I learned working at Seymour Duncan is just like how Amazon has fucked with the music industry so much. Have you guys seen uh, these Amazon pedals? Do you know Amazon makes guitar pedals? No, I'm sure they're very high quality. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> What's our thoughts on that? Would we play Amazon guitar? Pe- Amazon Basics, Delay, Reverb. Oh, I think they have an Overdrive, too. That That's pretty funny. I haven't. I don't know what the fuck they sound like, but I just saw them recently. I thought that was that's interesting. That's crazy. There's what? just too many. Like, there, there doesn't need to be more. <laughs> no. If you're going to buy a knockoff pedal anyway, I mean, Behringer makes, right. makes it for like 25 bucks or something, right? Yeah. Like, why are you going to buy the Amazon Basics one? They're also $25. Yeah, they're also super cheap. Because you're already on Amazon.com. It's like, I know. (laughs) (laughs) What about an Amazon drum set? Would you buy an Amazon drum set? Absolutely not. Are you serious? No, man. It's it's probably them trying to take advantage of, you know, moms and pops buying mm -hmm, shit for their kids. Right. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's where they shop. They see it there. Hey, there's a whatever, you know, pedal that they want. And, off they go. So it's familiar. Like, I already have this. Right. <laughs> totally. And then six months later, they're going to buy their kids another one because it doesn't stay in tune and it sounds even worse than it, <laughs> than a kid playing drums would anyway. Yeah. We're really into like analog gear and old vintage equipment. Right. And that's kind of why we went into this studio and we recorded on tape for the first time. We just played on like old vintage gear. Like we had a Wurlitzer that we can jump on and, and, uh, you know, a 60s Jaguar and, just a lot of fun stuff. I thought you were going to say we're really into Amazon.com. <laughs> <laughs> really into Amazon. Like, yeah. come on. Uh, for a sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> Working on tape is such a different experience. Uh, when I did my first record with Jonathan Radio Fox, and we did it the tape, and it was like the first time I'd ever worked like that. And, and, and what was your guys' experience working on the tape? Like, because they're... It's not like Pro Tools. You can't just like, mm-hmm. you can't do certain things or it's not as easy. Like, what was your experience working on tape? 
mixtape. We uh, demoed out all our songs on a Tascam 488, an 8-track mm. cassette recorder. And so we were kind of familiar with the limitations of that medium. And when we went into the studio, uh, we didn't want to waste too much time because we had eight songs and we only, you know, we, we were recording in like five days. And so we recorded all the instrumentals onto tape. And then after that, we did overdubs, you know, digitally. Mm-hmm. So that's how we kind of went around that. Oh, got it. Yeah. So the basic tracking was done to tape. Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. what exactly? Drums, bass, guitar? Or how? And keyboard. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it so? Was it played live or still track to track? It was live. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Do you guys usually write your demos all live like that? It's, it just depends. I mean, yeah. we do sometimes. Yeah, we have been lately. It's just been easier that way. Yeah, it's definitely more direct. You right. just like play it. There it is. You know. And so, did you? Do you think you're going to continue moving on, working that way, or would you want to go back to okay, now that we did it this way, we can go back to recording it track to track and taking our time and. Yeah. I want to take our time and I want to make something like ELO, you know, right. with just huge layers and, you know, Phil Spector style right. uh, strings and backup harmonies and stuff totally. like that. Yeah. I was going to ask though, what was your experience like when you recorded with Rado? Did How involved was he with everything? Was he like changing the song structures and like giving lyrical ideas or what, what was his role? So I guess I, it's hard to, it's, it's it's different, right? Because when I worked with Rado, I was uh, almost like a like a guinea pig record. Like I was like mm-hmm. the second record he had ever produced. So um, I don't I haven't worked with him in a few. We did call me on the phone together too, but and he definitely had some input. Like oh, we should put a riff here, we should put a riff there. But I think the magic of working with Rado, from what I learned, because I went from like paying hourly, like you know fifty dollars an hour at a friend's studio, and it sounds normal. To moving with Rado, which was just like, yeah, we should try this. Like, whoa, we have 10 days to make a record. Like, let's just spend 20, you know, basically 24 hours in a day to work on these songs and make sure that they sound right and to throw shit at the wall. And if it doesn't work, you take it out. And, uh, you know, oh, hey, we only have like, oh, it wasn't an eight track. It was probably like an eight or something track. But we only had, we had a limitation of how many, you know, layers we could possibly turn on it's like oh we need to put tambourine on that part okay well we don't have any more space so there's no vocals here so we'll just put it up we'll put the tambourine on the vocal spot like there's a lot of stuff that like that that i thought was really eye-opening and really changed how i viewed recording because prior to that i never really liked any of our recordings and um yeah so he's more involved with the tones he was more involved with just like getting the general vibes and like he engineered he for us at least back then he was engineering it himself and I think he has like an engineer now that works with him but uh, yeah that's so, so cool man I love yeah, those recordings they sounded really excellent how was it that you got connected with that guy so uh, yeah my friend in Santa Barbara who was managing me and a few other bands was also managing Foxygen he was tour managing Foxygen and then became. Foxygen's manager and then he went on tour with them and it was like hey you know because we had a also this band called gardens and via they were also managed by all of them and we did some tracks with uh, our buddy shane and uh he was like hey check out this band you know i'm friends with in santa barbara they just did some stuff with shane from gardens and via and uh he was like yeah i'm where they be down to do a full record and happened like that i think it was like i got a text in june hey rado might want to record you guys and then by october we were at his house or his parents' house and uh, recording. It was crazy. 
It was fun. It was like, it was really weird. But then we sat on the record for like a year. So it was just like so heartbreaking to go through all of 2014, sending it to labels and getting weird responses from labels and like, yeah, just sitting on it. I don't know. It's waiting. It's waiting is the hardest part. Isn't that what fucking Petty said or something like that? Like (laughs) it really, it really, it really is the hardest part of the whole process. Like, did you guys send this record out to any labels? Did you guys have to go through that? Like just sending it to people and wait while waiting for lots of different reasons, but for that reasons out of your control. Not really. Yeah. I don't think we really tried very hard. I mean, I put, I, I sent out some emails from, what I had, but right. nothing too serious, you know. The unsolicited demo is probably like, mm-hmm. yeah, that should, those emails just those emails go straight in the trash. Like, no one, have, no one ever responds. Like, and when they do, they're just like, "Who are you?" I'm like, "I'm the guy in the band. I'm not the manager. I'm just the guy." Like, yeah, yeah, dude, they, it it never fucking works. But it's good to at least you know send those emails out and feel like you're doing something. I don't know. I I saw you talking about that with uh, Silver Twin. Oh and- yeah. I really love that interview that you did, by the way, because they don't really have any other interviews online. So I was really stoked that you guys did that. Well, that was like half the reason I even started this thing, because I was just, you know, I'd started before the pandemic. So I had these ideas of doing this before. But then it opened, you know, once I knew I had to do them on Zoom, it opened it up to like, oh, I can talk to Silver Twin. Or I could talk to these people like they're not in America and or maybe, you know, they're just busy or whatever. And no one's touring right now because I did realize last year as touring kind of began, less people were available. So that also became like a different hurdle to jump over. But uh, yeah, someone like Silver Twin, um, I just, you know, there's there's a big like comedy podcast scene that I really love. And they all hype each other up and they all go on each other's shows and they're all promoting dates and they're all promoting shit. And then we don't have anything like that. Mm -hmm. Like there's no infrastructure or shows that I could like promote on. Like if, if I have to hire a PR agency to get me on fucking pitchfork, which is I think dead, like who gives a fuck about pitchfork anymore? And like, it's done. It's over. Like it's going to cost a lot of money for something that doesn't do anything anymore. And if you talk to a PR agent, they don't know anything. About, they don't have connections to Spotify. They That's like what moves shit now is like getting mm-hmm. on a fucking Spotify playlist. And even then, even then, like the friends I do ha- know who've gotten on Spotify playlists, their, their views, their, their listeners go up and then they just fall flat once the yeah. playlist is moved on. So it's like, what is it now? I don't know what it is now. I think the best thing I've had luck on is getting those Discover Weeklies and getting on someone's playlist every week. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't know. I don't know where the industry is right now. It's a weird, it's a weird place. And going out and playing shows is even weirder. <laughs> like, yeah, you know. There's so much, so much new music. You know, people are like going around, they find their thing, they get their fix and then right. they move on. You know, it's interesting. Maybe they'll come back, you know, you who know. knows? I'm like, oh, what's <laughs> who knows like how do you guys find new music or are we just listening to old old music all the time which is what i do i just listen to old music all the time <laughs> yeah we do listen to a lot of old music mm-hmm. uh i i was a really big fan of uh, jonesy's jukebox when it went oh. around i don't think it is anymore unfortunately but mm. that was how i was discovering a lot of music we were just talking about how uh, yeah. we heard sparks for the first time on that radio show so I like that. And then I also like to go to artists, uh, playlists that they make on their Spotify. Mm. So that's kind of how I've been discovering music. What about you guys? 
Yeah, uh, that as well. Uh, Spotify will sometimes just pop up with stuff that mostly is trash, but sometimes they'll, they'll get a hit where, you know, they just keep playing stuff. So right. that, that works out sometimes. Um, but uh, like I mentioned before, you know, I am pretty avid uh, vinyl enthusiast. So a lot of times, like, you know, I'll go into record shops, you know, locally and around and just uh, try to look for new stuff or talk to the talk to the store owners, let them know what I'm interested in. Or sometimes I'll just walk up with what I'm trying to buy and then they'll, you know, start throwing out, you know, information about some other stuff I have no clue about. And then, uh, you know, like, oh, I've got this record right here of the guy who produced that, you know, whatever it is. Right. Yeah, find new stuff that way, which is which is really a fun experience. I just rely on him. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> that's fair. I rely on them. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. yeah, I think the record store experience is something that like is unmatched. Like, and I think it's the the saving grace of record stores. Like, if you can go in there and and get that personal touch and talk to the owner or talk to one of the employees, and they can like suggest you something that like blows your mind like that's better than any algorithm and there is something about like finding it yourself that is really rewarding you know and i know that's a big thing in the dj and dj culture because i also spin vinyl in my spare time like anytime I'm like oh yeah oh i just i love this record and someone's like, oh where'd you get it i'm like oh i got it on discogs they're just like uh <laughs> they're just like you didn't find you know, it then know. did you, oh. like, you know, it's like yeah yeah i heard it on spotify and i discogged it pretty quick yeah, like, yeah. yeah i don't know but there is some some of my favorite records um and and the ones that i have the most fun playing are the ones like oh i found this when i was digging like in north carolina or like i was like on tour and i was in chicago and i found this record just because i like the name you know mm-hmm. like the name and the song name and i was like this might be good and then it is and uh you know, it's getting harder now. Like I, I was like, I DJed in Chicago and I was trying to find stuff that wasn't really online and fuck man, most of my collections online now. And I was like, damn, this sucks. Like I used to love when people would Shazam be like, what is this? I can't find this. Like yeah. it's getting harder yeah. and harder to do now because everything's getting put online. It sucks. <laughs> but yeah, that's the joys. That's the joys. I haven't done a lot of pod. I, I think that's why I'm talking so much because I haven't done a lot of podcasts in a while. Uh, <laughs> You but do. it's fine. You end up listening to a lot of crappy music that way too. Oh yeah, a lot of record like, oh, this looks sick, and then you yeah. throw it on, and then and then it's just an absolute miss. I mm-hmm. bought one that looked the cover <laughs> looked pretty cool. I bought it. Uh, it funny, funny eighties guy, yeah. really, really bad. Oh. Have you ever fallen for the old uh, vintage sealed vinyl Ooh. that looks cool, Ooh. and then you you buy it just you know, shot in the dark. Yeah. You ever go for that? Yeah, I've done that. And I've, I've paid too much for records many times. Sure. For that. I'm like, yeah, sure, sure. This is awesome. Right. Sometimes it's great. Yeah. And then sometimes you paid too you much to tell anybody that you did it. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes yeah. it just, it just sounds good in the store. And cause mm-hmm. it's loud as fuck. And you're like, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is a great track. And then you like buy it and take yeah. it home. And you're like, there's, this is the only good song on the record. Oh shit! Yeah. The rest of it's bad. Just shit. That's totally. happened. That's happened yeah. a lot to me. Yeah, I got. Oh, I was gonna say I got lucky with uh, that sealed one that I just purchased. I opened it up. I didn't even tell you. It's a blue, like a transparent blue vinyl. So Ooh. I lucked out. I don't know how it sounds, but it sure does look cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, I've had, I was gonna say, I've had that issue with like newer reissue vinyl that like it just sucks. Also. Mm-hmm. Like I bought like a Snoop Dogg record from Barnes and Noble and then it like fresh out of the sleeve, it just started skipping. I was like, oh, oh this is man. bad. This sucks. This is like overly manufactured vinyl. And there's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, some of those some of those songs you find are like pivot songs. You're like, oh, I whoa, this is really cool, and then you listen to it for like a like two days in a row, nonstop, and then you come back to it later. You're like, oh wait, this is this isn't so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Pretend or uh, prefer stores that you know, like the old school way where they have like listening stations or right. turntables you could throw on and like mess. I mean, you're buying used items, so you want to check it out. I hate places you walk in and then it's just you know, they, they don't let you touch the vinyl. You can't take it out. You can't hear it. It's like, well, I'm not going to buy from you. Then. Just say, just say Amoeba. Just say it. <laughs> we don't have to hide from them. They do that shit and it bothers the hell out of me. Every time yeah. I go there, I'm like, I have like my phone. I'm listening to it on YouTube. Like it's mm-hmm. so annoying. Well, yeah, they just sell like represses now. It's right. Not even- and I know their game, right? Like, like I went to Amoeba and SF and I think that, you know, the buyer is looking very closely to Spotify and seeing what pops off on Spotify. Because I went into the Joni Mitchell section and it was just one record. <laughs> it was the one that had helped me on it. And I know from talking to my friends that everyone kind of got helped me, that record Clark or Cloak and whatever. Um, we all kind of got that in our feeds at the same time. And so mm-hmm. I think they pay attention to those trends as well. Because I was like, the one, there's only one Joni Mitchell record. It's a reissue of... The track that blew up on Spotify? This makes no sense. This is bullshit. <laughs> Conspiracy theories. Dude, I'm in it. You're, I am, you're I am, I'm on to the buyers at the Amoeba. I know what your trick is. And I'm gonna I'm gonna expose you. What about you, man? Where do you discover your music? Man, um, I do yeah, I like, you know, I DJ a lot, so I, I do go to record stores when I'm on tour and kind of like look around and you know that. I do I'm friends with a lot of people online who share. Luckily, they'll share stuff. Uh, I don't really check out my Discover Weekly a whole lot on Spotify, but when I do, it's just like skip, 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 skip. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, doing this podcast has been really great. Like you guys, I'll listen to you guys. And that, I, you know, after this, I'll probably listen to you guys for like another couple weeks until I have to li- do another interview. So it's like mm-hmm. my my um, Spotify Wrapped last year was just people I talked to on the podcast. I was like, okay, that's not very exciting. Like, <laughs> it's like yeah, I was getting some cool recommendations from listening to your podcast. Oh, uh, Orange Juice one was one in particular. Oh, they're the best. Right. Yeah, I yeah. love them. Super cool. I've been trying to interview uh, Edwin Collins, but it's, it's oh. not it's not worked out. You know, he has oh. he had like a stroke in the mid two thousands, so I don't think he does a lot of interviews anymore. He's oh, great. Yeah, know. we were doing a uh, cover by mm-hmm. him for a while there. Yes. A girl like you. That's yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. How do you know? Because <laughs> 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 when I found out about orange juice, I was like telling people about orange juice, and. Uh, I was like, yeah, it's his dude named Edwin Collins. And everyone's like, yeah, we know Edwin Collins, but like no one had heard of Orange Juice. But they had heard of that song because it was such a big hit, I guess. The same thing happened to me a few years ago. Before the pandemic, I was DJing at this bar and I'd gotten really into China Crisis because of Spotify. Um, and I was listening to a bunch of China Crisis and this older guy was at the bar. I was like, yo, I was like, dude, have you heard of this band? They're so good. He's like, yeah, they've been around for 40 fucking years. I was like, all right. <laughs> well, I just found out. I thought they were like a deep cut, but like they were not. He's like, yeah. Who doesn't know about that band? I was like, me? Yeah, man. Not everybody knows so, everything. Like, what the fuck? Let's let's get you guys in some trouble. What do you think about the Joe Rogan, Neil Young? I want to hear a hot take. Do you think it's fun that oh, no. Neil Young is taking his music off of Spotify and Joni Mitchell? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess they could do what they want. I right. hate it because I love Neil Young. Right. Uh, and I primarily use Spotify. So it's like he's punishing me. 
directly almost. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, you know, people, I guess, are entitled to, you know, it's their art. They can do what they want with it. Um, it it's kind of hard to say. Like, I don't know who you, who you should be trying to hold responsible for for those actions, you know, or whatever right. it is. I'm, I'm not completely up to date on it. I didn't even yeah. look into it all that much. You know, I just noticed like, oh, I can't listen to Neil Young anymore. What's <laughs> going on? It's like, but, yeah. Looked into it a little bit, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. People people can do what they want, but uh, I don't I don't really see where the yeah, it's a little bit of a tease, kind of mean. But yeah, they can do what they want. We're not entitled to their art, you know. That's true. That's <laughs> true. But yeah, I do feel entitled to their art. Why? Why is that? Why do I feel like yeah? Hey, why are you taking that music away from me? I don't know. Because specialty, well, man. It's like, I do like those songs. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I'm sure there's a ton of terrible things on Spotify. Right. You know that are probably even you know, more upsetting about that, but just cause that one has popularity, then, right. you know, they're kind of, a, you know, holding Spotify accountable for, for taking it off or whatever it was. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of interesting times with all that. I have been, I have been one of my, um, dream, uh, pieces of content I've been trying to do is just like transcribe one of Joe Rogan's podcast word for word and put it up and see if I get taken down because I'm a fucking, Nobody, but if I'm saying the same exact things he's saying, do I get taken down and not Joe? I don't know. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't listen that to take- Joe Rogan, but it's like, oh, I, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not defending him, but, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, the, the whole thing seems a little, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what the aim is exactly. I just like, you know, when artists, were, when artists were complaining about getting paid less, that's when this should have been happening. Like, I yeah, just think yeah. it's silly totally, that they're totally. doing it for Joe. Like, how about when we were arguing and fighting? Like, you know, people are fighting for a penny. <laughs> like, right. hmm. that's that was my whole take off of it. Well, it's Joe was like, a straw that broke the camel's back, man. They couldn't stand it no more. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's kind of silly, but I think it's kind of funny at the same time too. Well, then it's a lot of it, like these like folks that are like coming up in like like freedom of speech times too. It's just like, okay, well, why are we like? I mean, I don't know. Again, I'm not defending anything that was said on whatever. No, podcast, yeah. But to my I point, don't. I'm sure there's a ton of worse things out there on Spotify, and you know, no big artists are taking their music off of it to to try to silence them. I don't know. Totally. Now yeah. they're asking for Taylor Swift to join in on the protest. Yeah, because she did it before, and oh, now she'll no. do it again. Oh my! It, it, just, it just seems like a publicity stunt. Or yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, you know, they, I saw a, a graphic the other day online that Napster is actually the best one for artists. I think it's like only, I think you make a dollar after 397 streams, which is pretty oh, good. Oh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. I, I, I argue they're probably drawing more attention to that podcast that they're trying to. It's another conspiracy. <laughs> I wouldn't even have known about it. Yeah. Right, right, yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's just making Joe Rogan more famous, I guess. But I don't know. I'm just trying to find alternatives to the uh, current situation we're in with like Spotify and like ah oh, these fucking streaming platforms and yeah. Instagram. Is there a better way than Instagram? Like, are you guys on TikTok? Or is your band on TikTok yet? Do you do I that mean, I'm not, not really. But we post some of the videos that we do have on Instagram on there. So there I you go. Like, I I like some of the videos that silver twin puts out on tiktok though where they do covers and the harmonies and everything like that i think that's pretty cool yeah they're they're so good at that like they're yeah they're the so acapella good. things oh yeah they're so good at that and i think uh yeah i don't know i want to see them live that's one of those bands i'm like i gotta see them live at some point i don't know how i don't know mm-hmm. when i'm ever going to like london or anything like that but one of these days what is uh are you you on tiktok 
I am on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's fun. Oh yeah. Is it, it's, it's also like, it's pretty. Is it like quick videos? Like as soon as yep, yeah. As soon as you yeah. open that app, it's just video, 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 video. Mm. Like you just keep swiping until it figures out what you like and what you don't like. The algorithm is very advanced uh, to the point where it like knows. It's like, hey, you like these kind of like the really weirdest part of a of a video. It's like, okay, it's like they find you videos on I saw your eyes movie. looking. Yes, very niche little things. Um, it's weird. It's really weird, but it's it's awesome. It's very powerful. It's like you can post a video and you're like, whatever, just put it up there. And then it just does crazy numbers and you don't know why. And there's no rhyme or reason, but it's 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 weird. Uh, but I like it. It's it's better than Instagram, I think. I don't know. Because mm. I don't know anyone on there. And like most of my friends aren't on there. So it's like I'm just watching strangers where Instagram is very personal now. It mm. feels personal. And, fa- and Facebook's a fucking wasteland. Are you guys still on Facebook? Yeah, get, get it out of there. They're trying yeah. to do some creepy nonsense. Not, not a fan. It's getting crazy. <laughs> it's getting crazy on that. I go on there for my job, obviously. It's, I do social media marketing, so I'm on, I'm on all these platforms. But like, oh, it's a wasteland. But we saw this. We saw this with MySpace. If you've been, if you've been online long enough, then you, know, you see it. See it coming. Uh, uh, yeah, those, <laughs> those things have a shelf life for sure. Uh, I derailed us enough. Let's get back into what it's all about. The music, you got the records, the records are here, the show is coming up. Uh, how are you going to show this music video? Do you have like a backdrop and a projector? What are we doing? How are we all watching the video at once at the show? Hmm. Well, I think that we're going to put it out online so that people can watch it, you know, when they want to. They don't have to come to the show to see the video necessarily, oh. but we will have a projector and we probably will screen the video at some point during the show. Yeah. But, um, We'll probably be screening, you know, other things while we play. But another thing that I forgot to mention that uh, is going to be pretty interesting is we got new uh, shirts made that are bowling shirts that are pretty appropriate for Highland Park Bowl. And uh, it's a pink bowling shirt uh, with the album art on the back. And then we also have the vinyl on uh, pressed on pink, pink vinyl. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do we do you have a shirt with you now or can we see the shirt now? Oh, I can't go get it. Yeah, go get the shirt. You like that room? Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see the shirt. <laughs> I like to see the shirt because I have a, I have an interest in merch right now and like the process of making merch, how to make that into like a a, a business. Yeah. Well, I always wanted to have these made because I just have a collection of bowling shirts already and I'm a fan of them and I just wanted yeah. something that I would personally wear. So out of you know, selfishness. I right. made this one, but I think that it's kind of a cool thing that uh, I think I saw. Who was it? It was uh, Rodriguez. Uh, I saw him perform. He does uh, Sugar Man, if you're, mm. if you're familiar with that song. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was selling uh, hats that like didn't have his logo on it or anything like that. It was just like his hat, like, cause it's his kind of his signature. Right. And I was like, I want that damn hat, you know? Yeah. I mean? So this is kind of like yes. our version of that. Yeah. <laughs> I missed the hat discussion. <laughs> All right. Oh, so here are these beautiful pink bowling shirts. We've got the embroidery. Shit. That's crazy. The, uh, pocket. And then what? the uh, album art on the back. 
Oh my god, the album art! Right. <laughs> These things are going like hotcakes at Highland Park. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Ruben, if you're in town on March fourth, man, we'll see yeah. you there. <laughs> okay, you you might. <laughs> I love it. And I brought in uh, Ruben. I brought in the uh, the record the for you as well. Oh, so that's there's awesome. the album art. So we got this baby printed. Yeah, they're all done. Printed. Yeah, backlist. You could point out your favorite later. <laughs> absolutely. And then we'll show off that beautiful pink vinyl clip. Yeah, let's check out the record. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Yep. yep. I just need to roll that. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So <laughs> Yeah, totally. Wait, so how where do you where does one find someone to make these bowling shirts? What's the, what was that process like? Finding someone who's like, Yeah, we have bowling shirts we can embroider for you. <laughs> Well, uh, we made some ringers the first time, just uh-huh. like the first batch of shirts that we had. And uh, my dad's friend um, does, they do apparel, they make shirts and clothing and stuff like that. So uh, we just did it through the, through him and uh, it was pretty easy. I mean, really, I just told him exactly what I wanted as far as like font and, uh, you know, sizing and stuff like that. Wow. Well, cause they yeah, can- yeah. They can embroider any font on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. See, that's what I love. These are the things I love. Like these, these, you know, you, these unexpected merch ideas. Yeah. yeah. You know, like <laughs> fucking lick on tattoos. Like one band told me they have those. I was like, okay, that's the <laughs> stuff I love. Like, I think what we want to have too is something to give away for free. Maybe like a book of matches might be kind of cool. Yeah. That one promoter in LA, Sid the Cat, he does that. Oh, cool. And those are great because you just, you know, why they like 10 cents, 50 cents or something. I can't remember how much they cost. They yeah. cost like nothing, 20 cents or something. And then you just give them away. And no one's expecting them. And everyone right. loves them. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, it's better than like a business card. At least people will like yeah. use them. People will use And every time they use them, they'll think of you. <laughs> <laughs> I got to do something like that. But I don't think I can, I can. I don't think you can fly through customs. I don't fly that much. I just had to fly for the. I've, I've flown more in the last six months than I've ever in my whole life. So it's like now I'm thinking about like downsizing my gear for like flying kind of situations. And, yeah. and I'm just like, can I take match? I can't take matches on the plane. That's, <laughs> that's not allowed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But I love that. I love that. So there's a show. You got the merch, you got the records. That's going to be great. Uh, one tip. Is is Venmo? Are you guys taking Venmo for the merch? Yeah, we're doing Venmo. I just Venmo. learned about this, and I was like, "Oh, this is like," because I had the square, the little swipe thing, but yeah, I would yeah. forget it all the time. <laughs> just like IOU oh, slips. Yeah, it's like a, written on a napkin. I promise I'll pay you later. <laughs> like I don't know, but like Venmo has been the biggest thing, and the next thing for me to do, uh, another tip to put out here because people were all about the tips is to uh, 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 print the QR code. And have that laminate so people can just do that because I've been telling everyone my, <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's just the band name. And then it takes forever for them to type in the band name. I'm like, is this you? I'm like, yeah, it's me. And then <laughs> so I already, I already took your money out of your account. Just your- <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen other bands, other bands have the QR code printed and I'm just like, oh, smart. You're, you're yeah. smart. I'm dumb. So now I'll take this. And give it to the world via this podcast. Well, we we were dumb about ten seconds ago, so now we're smart oh good too. yeah <laughs> yes all right well we're about an hour uh, I have to eat dinner at some point but uh, thanks for talking is there anything you guys want to promote is there anything else people should know about your band what are you having for dinner I don't know yet I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna peek around and see what's left 
No. Mm-hmm. Okay, just let us know later. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it in the intro of this video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just uh, keep us posted on that. Uh, but March 4th uh, yes. is the uh, album release, vinyl release, and we're putting our new music video out. And uh, like I said, we're, we're playing with these bands that are awesome. This like kind of 70s glam rock style band and then this cool. like 50s rockabilly kind of like Dwayne Eddy style band. Cool. And we have a couple cool DJs that are going to be doing like glitter disco 70s stuff. Ooh. So really excited and it's free. So it's going to be a good one. Okay, good. We'll get this episode out out quickly. Mm-hmm.